Welcome to an inspirational message from Creekwood Church. We hope that you have an encounter with God and discover practical ways to help you live a life of purpose. Well, I've got a lot to share today, and um, um, I, I want to begin by just saying this to you today. Um, we, as a church, have different seasons that we go through. You go through the summer months and uh, different seasons at our church, and we focus on different things. And um, one of the things that we focus year-round is we believe that God has called us to make a difference in this world, that God is specifically uh, has not called us just to do things for church people, that we're not a church that just believes that we are, are inward-focused, that we're just doing church for church people, but we believe that God has called us to make a difference and the season that we are walking through these next two weeks is really where we really ramp up and talk about really at the core of what we believe God has called us to be as a church. And we, again, believe that we need to be reminded every once in a while of what God has called us. And God's called our church to make a difference. And um, this season that we're stepping into is called Generosity Project. And um, if you're new to the church, the Generosity Project is basically a time where we really, uh, we talk about, we pray about what can we do in our community and around the world to make a difference. And uh, this next weekend, we're going to be receiving a special offering, and um, I'm going to be talking to you about that today, but we're specifically going to be receiving a Generosity Project offering and this offering, 100% of it does not stay in this church. It all is going to go out these doors to help people and to make a difference in people's lives. Generosity. Why would we do that? If you think about this, I know without a doubt that generosity is powerful. And we're generous not because of the fact that we believe that meeting physical needs are important, but we are generous because of the fact that we believe that beyond meeting somebody's physical needs, what we want to be known as a church is that, you know what, whether, whether or not you love our services or not, whether or not you uh, believe and, and agree with what we teach, that you know without a... Uh, without a shadow of a doubt, that Creekwood Church is one of the most loving churches that I've ever been around. Amen? And I want to just brag on you for just a few moments. You know, last year, or this year, the, the Generosity Project, we gave away $225,000. You guys did that. Is that not awesome? Let's just praise God. That is amazing. $225,000 that we were able to give away to ministries and to local organizations and, and people around the world. And, you know, you may not be able, may not know this, but there's a lot of great uh, organizations here in this community. And it's very easy as a church uh, to just kind of step back and say, well, we're doing our own thing over here and you do your own thing. And one of the things we believe and we decided a long time ago in the early days of this church is that, you know what, when we find people that are doing something well, we don't want to try to compete with them. We want to back them up. And for example, you think about the Mansfield Mission Center and how they help families with, with, that are going through financial crisis and just the 
incredible network that this does with all of the churches in this community. There's the Caring Place Clinic here in, um, in Mansfield off Broad Street. Some of you uh, on our serve day had the opportunity to go there and see how powerful and what a difference this clinic is making. There's a common ground network. Um, you've heard me talk about Phased In. Phased In is, is a home that was started several years ago for, for kids that don't get adopted out of the foster program. A close friend of mine named Kyle Bateman uh, years ago learned that um, what happens to kids that don't get adopted that grow up in the foster program. And what happens is they turn 18 and all the funds get cut. And so usually they're, they're given a suitcase with their clothes and they're saying good luck. Well, Phased In is, is, a, is a home, and they've got one in Wichita Falls and now one in Arlington that provides a home for these kids so that they can be able to live there while they go to college and really just have a great home. And how many of you know that's a great place to invest? I love this. I called my friend Kyle this last week, and I said, hey, how are you coming on this home in Arlington? And I think we've got a picture of it if you want to see the home that they're remodeling there in Arlington. And um, I asked him, I said, this, you just kind of kind of be there uh, to know how, how my sense of humor goes. Um, but he, I asked him, I said, how much you guys need to finish this out? I want to help you guys. And he said, oh, well, we need $200,000. And I kind of felt like, you know, uh, um, I don't know if you've seen the movie Vacation where Cousin Eddie asks, you know, for money. <laughs> sure, I'll give you money. He's like tapping the wallet. That's kind of how I felt. I was like, oh, $200,000. But how many of you know that God can use us to make a difference? God can use us to make a difference. And I told him, I said, listen, you pray about it. We're going to pray about it. We're going to do what we can. There's the Fort Worth Teen Challenge that helps women that struggle with addictions. That we, we want to partner with them. We, we com- connected with them this this. This past week, we said, hey, what can we do to help them have a great Christmas? And they were so excited. I mean, I could go on and on and on and talk about all these different organizations here locally and around the world. And, and they're just powerful things that are happening that God is moving. And I love, love being able as a church to say, listen to me, we love you guys and we want to back you up. And here's a check. We're going to make a difference through our generosity project. See, I I believe with all of my heart that God has called us to be generous. That God has called us to make a difference. And what we do through the Generosity Project is we come together and collectively say, you know, above our tithe, we are going to give a special offering that we are going to go make a difference. That is going to go out to help people. Now, I'm going to tell you something and just kind of let you see inside of my heart this year. To be honest with you, I struggled with doing Generosity Project this year. I talked to some of our overseers, and I said, I don't know if we should do Generosity Project again. And, like, our church has so many needs. Like, we just purchased 108 acres on 1187, and we're excited. And I'm I'm telling you, every time I go out there, I'm like, man, we got to get going on this. We got to start moving dirt and all this stuff. And I'm like, I need to be talking to the church about like we need to get like we need to give to help build this new 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 facility so we can reach more people and 
I, every time I walk out on the gravel, and I know some of y'all love that gravel out there. Some of y'all, every time you come to church, you, you pick out a special rock to mem- commemorate the weekend. You just love it. But I want to get it paved. And I, I, I'm, I'm just telling you, as your pastor, my mind races about all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, we need to, be, we need to go inward. We got to take care of this house. And God just reminded me again. He said, Stephen, haven't I taken care of you guys? Didn't I provide a miracle when you were sitting in Mansfield High School and y'all were praying for property and you knew that it was going to take you giving your firstborn to be able to get property in Mansfield because it's so expensive and I provided a supernatural miracle and these 13 acres are a miracle of God. That 108 acres are a miracle of God that God has provided. So listen to me. I am not going to lead us down a road where we're going to back away from our generosity in making a difference with the hurting. And I'm here this morning to challenge us, to inspire you to believe that God has called all of us to love in a way that we've never loved before. And these two weekends, we're going to talk about the, the, the topic of love gives because I believe it is close to the heart of God. So if you want to grab your Bibles, open them up, and, and we're going to look at a lot, a lot of Scripture today because we're going to talk about love. Love is important, and I want to ask you this question. I know it may be a little awkward to, to, for me to ask you this question in church, but how's your love life? Somebody, I hear some giggling. <laughs> How's your love life? Some of you are like, hey, there ain't nothing there. No more. <laughs> okay. um, you know, I think it's an important question, and we can talk a lot about love. We, uh, a lot of us go through different seasons where we feel like our love is just like, man, we feel like the Beatles, and where they sang, all you need is love, and you're like, I love love, and I love loving people, and I'm in love with life. But then there's other times that you agree with Tina Turner. And you're like, what does love got to do with it? It's just a secondhand emotion. I wish I could sing right now, but I can't sing. Y'all would get up and you're like, babe, get your keys. Let's get out of here. Let's preach. You can't sing today. But you know what love... Um, we kind of go back and forth, and we're one moment, we're in love, and we love people. But isn't it true that love can be complicated? Love can be, uh, it can be tough to love people. It can be really tough. And it can, it's easy, again, our emotions go back and forth, and, and we waver back and forth on, on our love. But I, I want to communicate something to you today that, it's something that we all need to be reminded of is that God has never wavered in his love. God has never changed his posture when it comes to love. God has never, ever, ever wavered when it comes to love. God is and always be, will be about love. Do you know that God's character, the character of God is love? And this is complicated for a lot of us, and we forget this because what happens is we kind of get lost in the weeds. 
are lost in the woods when it comes to our relationship with God, and we start to kind of make this about religion and rules and rituals and things, but this has always been about love. We can look at the Bible, and you can find a, a, just hundreds of people that you can make your hero, that, that you're like, I relate to that guy, and I love that story about Peter or Abraham, Moses, Isaac, but listen to me. This story, the Bible, our lives, everything that is happening is always been a love story. It's about God's love. God is love, so love ought to be huge in our life. How's your love life? The Bible tells us in 1 John 4, 8, whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is love. That's kind of tough to deal with. Whoever does not love does not know God. Wow. If you don't love people, you don't know God. Because God is love. And God loves all people. Listen to some of the scriptures that I just, I want to give you some insight into the heart of God. Romans 5, 8 says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. This is what love looks like. Jesus, this is what it looks like. John 15, 13 says, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. John 3, 16 For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son. This was God's demonstration of his love is that he gave. So that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Psalms 145.8 says the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. So I want you to hear me when I say this is that God's character and his nature is love. God has never wavered when it comes to love. God has never changed. The Bible teaches us that it is, is, it is who God is. You know, it's very easy to think about needs and the needs in our world and think about, you know what, I just need to give because... There's so many needs, but you know, we don't give because there are needs. We give because it is the heart of God. It's God's heart for us to love in that way. And when you think about it in your own life and and you think about this whole aspect of how are you doing when it comes to love and how, how's your love life? I want you to think about two things today, and this is just real simple. Number one is, is how has love changed you? How has love changed you? How has God's love changed your life? And number two, how has your love changed the world around you? How has love changed you? And how has your love began to change the world around you? You know, when you think about your life and when you accepted Christ in your life, um, you remember the moment that um, 
you realized how much God loved you? You know, for a lot of us, when we think about it, it really brings up a lot of emotion, a lot of feelings, because we remember that moment like it was yesterday. Maybe it was 20 years ago, maybe it was 10 years ago, but you remember it was like yesterday. It was the moment that the Holy Spirit illuminated God's love inside of your heart. And you were like, God, I'm such a broken sinner. God, I'm so like, God, how could you love me? And you've never been the same. Your life changed. It, 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 it was supposed to change because you had an encounter with God's love. God's love changed you. It transformed you. You know, when you think about your love and how has it changed you, think about this also is how that baby loves my message. He does. I know he does. How has your love changed the world? When you take and you begin to walk through this and you begin to think about the love of God and how much God's love has changed your life and, and then you in turn take that same love and you begin to love people. Because the Bible tells us if you know God, you love people. How has it changed people's lives? You know, I... I um, was thinking about this, uh, about the fact that, you know, that, isn't it true that there are, are moments in our life where we um, think to ourselves, we're like, you know, if I had only known something uh, was different, or if I had only known, isn't it true we all have those stories of if I had only known, like for some of you are, have your financial stories of if I had only known about that, I would have done this differently. Um, I've had a lot of those moments. For example, um, a big one in my life was, how many of you know that men can sometimes think they're experts in things that they're not? Men, I don't know what it is. <laughs> we got one man over here being honest. Men, sometimes we just kind of think we're experts in all things, right? And a lot of y'all, I've shared this. It's no secret. I've never been really a big fan of cats. I just think dogs are better. And my wife had this cat that lived like 20, I don't know how, 29 years. I'm not kidding, like 22 years. It was like, I think it was, the, the, it was God saying, Stephen, I'm going to keep this cat alive because you're going to learn to love this cat. I ran over that cat. I, I mean, all kinds of stuff happened. It had nine lives. It, I think it had 20 lives. The cat got real old and matted, and it stunk, and, and it, was, it was like, like, I was like, babe, we need to bait that cat. It just stinks, and... My wife's like, you don't bathe cats. The cat bathes herself. And I'm like, babe, if, we, if a dog can be washed and put in the shower in the tub, you can put that cat in there. And I, I don't want you to think bad of me as, as your pastor, but it like, like I, I would put my dog in the shower with me a lot of times and turn it on. Spray shampoo on them. And it's like, I love dogs. And I thought, you know what? We could do that with a cat. I got the cat, took my clothes off. <laughs> got in the shower, shut the door, turned the water on, and it was like hell on earth. <laughs> that cat went crazy. I got all cut up. 
It was like, wow. I was like. <laughs> Men, we are not experts in everything. If I had only known that. But I want you to think about this because there is going to be a moment, I believe, that a lot of us, when we get into heaven, that we are going to stop and we're going to say, if I had only known this. When you stand and you are in heaven and you uh, are standing before God, there's going to be some of us That we're going to have that kind of moment where we're going to say, if I had only known that. There's a scripture found in Matthew 25, verse 34, that just to kind of give you the context of this, this is judgment day and, and people are up in heaven and, and, and it gives us this, this vision of what is happening. And Matthew 25, 34 says this, then the king will say to those on the right, come you who are blessed. By my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And you know they had to be kind of confused when they're listening to this because they're like, "Where did I don't remember seeing you hungry or thirsty or are sick, Jesus. What are you talking about? In verse 37, then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? They're confused. And this is when Jesus delivers the punchline of the parable and he says this, the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of these, one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. In other words, Jesus is saying, whatever you do for the least, you're doing it unto me. And I think a great analogy is this, is that don't you love it when people do nice things for your kids? When people are good to your kids? And Jesus is just like that. God loves it when we take care of people. And I, I know, listen, I, I know it's very easy for us to kind of lose the, the fact that, and we kind of forget how much God has loved us. And we just kind of go along, and our love life isn't too much right now. And I, I want to challenge you, and I'm asking you some uncomfortable questions today, but how is your love life? How has, how has God's love changed you? You know, um, neurologists, and, and I'm not a specialist in, in, in the brain or by far, but they've, they've done a lot of studies on what, um, what happens inside of your brain uh, when certain things are happening. And one of the things that, that has, they've done a lot of studies about this is that when, when your brain, when you are in love, something happens to your brain, to parts of your brain. In other words, um, there's a part of your brain that lights up when you're in love. And uh, there are three areas that actually light up in your brain when you are in love. 
that neurologists have seen this when they put an MRI over your brain and done an MRI of your brain, that these three things are really, they're, they're, your brain is lighting up with, number one, your pleasure area, it's joy. The second area is risk, and the third area is attachment. So there's, when you're in love, there is joy. When you're in love, your brain is lighting up with this attachment, with this risk. That I will risk it all to be with that person. I, I, will, I feel this attachment. I feel this joy in doing this. Do you know that you think about when it comes to your love, and how you love people. Do you feel joy? Do you feel an attachment? Do you feel like, you know what, I will risk, I will sacrifice what I have to be able to make a difference because my love is lit up. Listen, I'm going to say this again. We as a church, we're not giving because we're wanting to make people a project. People don't need us to make them a project. Make they don't need us to make them our project. This isn't about us just throwing some dollars at people, this is about us loving people so much we want to make a difference in people's lives. Love will move you beyond just saying, I just want to give a dollar or I want to give 10,000. Some of you can give 30,000 dollars towards this, and it's nothing. I don't want this to be nothing to you. I want this to be something that moves your heart, that says, I see, God, what you are doing in people's lives. I want to make a difference. How has God's love changed you? And how has that love that you have in your heart that God has loved you so much, how has it moved you? How has it, how has it changed you and changed your world? I'll show you how it's changing people. Like yesterday morning, for example, we had a group of people that put together 200 bicycles. We got a picture right here. TD Industries, a local in industry, donated these bicycles so that needy kids could have this. And man, people like Jim and Teresa Howe and, and Mark Hall led this, and we had a group uh, yesterday morning putting together bicycles. Now listen to me. Most normal people don't want to spend their Saturday morning putting together bicycles for kids that they don't even know. But do you know when love gets a hold of your heart, when you care about somebody and you're like, God, you love me so much, I love your people it makes you change your priorities. It makes you change what you do because you're like, this, I love this. I think of people like Kim Drennan. And this, this afternoon, there's people that are going to be from this church at Ronald McDonald. Ronald McDonald's house in Dallas making meals for families that their kids are sick. And I'm like, man, don't you want to lay around all afternoon and watch football? Somebody like Kim Drennan says no. Somebody like Brian Roth or all these different people that got the love of God has gotten a hold of you and it's changed you and it's changing your world. 
And this generosity project, I, I'm, I, some of you are going to think I'm like lost it when I tell you this, but I'm believing we're going to give away $300,000. You're like, how are we going to do that? We're going to do this. Hint, hint. <laughs> we're going to do it. Why? Because we're moved by love. It's the love of God. And when you experience God's love, it, it, it moves you to change everything about your life. There's a story that I want to close with that um, is found in the New Testament in John chapter 21. It's a conversation about the love of God. In John 21, verses 3 through 18, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read this this entire scripture to you. I just want to kind of narrate a little bit of it, and we'll talk about it. And um, Basically, all of this story is is just a conversation about love. And uh, you may not have realized this, but it, it is about love. And... Jesus is having this conversation with Peter about his love, and he's asking him, how is your love life? And um, to give you the context of what's happening here is that, that in, this, in this moment is you see that Jesus has been, he's been uh, crucified. He's ri- risen from the dead, and um, the Bible actually tells us, John records this this account is that Jesus has actually appeared to them three different times after he's resurrected. There's an interesting fact about this story is that it starts off immediately telling you that Peter has gone back to fishing. Now, it doesn't mean that when it says he's gone back to fishing, it doesn't mean that he's just bored and let's go, we got some free time, let's go fish. That's their livelihood. That's what they used to do before they knew Jesus is fishing. That's what they knew, and they are so discouraged with their Savior being crucified, but Jesus has appeared to them three times, and again, they're just, they just decided that they're going to go back to the life that they've always known. They didn't decide they're going to go be terrible people. They just decided, you know what, Let's, I'm going back to my ordinary life, and I, I want to stop right there and ask you again is, is how has God's love changed you? Because there ought to be a change in how you live your life. For some of you, you receive Christ, but there's no difference in your life. There ought to be a difference in how you live your life and what your priorities are in your life and how you love. There ought to be a change since you have received the love of God. And some of us have chosen to walk back and we, we receive the love of God, but we're still living our life exactly like we lived before. And the disciples go out and they fished all night and they caught nothing. And I don't think that's by accident. I think Jesus intended for them to come up empty-handed. Because you know what, what he wanted them to realize is that, listen, you going back to what, the way you used to live your life, it's only going to leave you empty. And this is what a lot of you are living empty lives because you're still trying to live your life the way you've always lived it in the same little ruts that you always lived. And Jesus wanted to communicate to them. It's an empty life if you want to go back to that. And Jesus asked them a question. He's standing on the edge of the water and he asked them a question that no fisherman wants to answer, especially when they haven't caught anything. People that fish love to brag about all the fish they caught. They don't want to talk to you when they didn't catch anything. 
So it had to be kind of annoying. Jesus yells out to them and he says, have you caught anything? And they're like, no. Jesus tells them, why don't you throw it out on the other side? Now listen, don't miss this. You know it had to be annoying to them because don't you think they have thrown the nets out on both sides all night long and now Jesus is telling them to throw it on the other side? We have already done that. And what Jesus is communicating to them is this, is don't miss this. Is that I'm asking you to do something that maybe you've done before in the past, but this time it's different because you're going to do it with me. And you, when you do things with God's power and God's strength and God leading you to do something, it's totally different. They throw the net out and they pull so many fish back, they can't hardly drag it back. And they get to the edge of, of the, the shore and Jesus is already, he's already got a fire going and there's fish and bread already on there. Hold on. Jesus already, I don't, I don't know if you realize that Jesus already had fish and bread. He didn't need their fish. He already had the fish and the bread there. Why did he ask them to throw it on the other side? I believe that the reason is, is not that he needed their fish, is that he wanted to show them that I want you to be a part of the miracle of what I can do through your life. They were able to see of what, if I'll do what God asked me to do with my life, God's going to show me and give me wisdom. Do you know that anytime you talk about giving and money and people get uncomfortable in church, um, the reason why we do this is that we, we don't understand and we've forgotten who's filled our nets. And we kind of started to believe we're the ones that filled our nets and we're the ones that have made the right decision. But isn't it true when your nets are empty, you're like, God, would you please, and you remember your early days when you started your business or you started your career and you were begging God to bless you and to help you. And, and you were like, God, our nets are so empty and now God has filled your nets completely. And you started to go, well, man, yeah, I, I did it. We did it. We worked hard. We made the right decisions. We sold our business. We did all this stuff. Listen, your nets are full because God did that. What are you going to do? Listen, again, it's very easy to convince yourself that this is just, let me just kind of hoard all this and this is all mine. And I want to just present this to you is that what if God is, is entrusted great resources to you because God believes that he can trust you with those resources. That you're going to make a difference in people's lives. How has love changed you? And you see this story that they get up on the edge of the, of the they sit around, they're eating fish and bread and and. Jesus asked this question that had to be kind of awkward. He says to Peter, he said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter responds and he says, Jesus, you know I love you. And Jesus says, then feed my sheep. And Jesus asked him again, he said, do you love me, Peter? Do you love me more than these? And some scholars want to make us believe that, that he's talking about uh, a lot of different, like he's talking about loving, you love me more than the fish. And it, it, it wasn't about the fish. It was about the life that you always known. Do you love me more than the life that you, 
your comfortable life, the, the things that you just want to fill your life with and the routines and the comfort zone. Do you love me more than all of this? And Peter says, you know that I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. What does he mean by feed my sheep? There wasn't a church. There wasn't even a Bible. There was the Old Testament. But there was not a church at that time. We want to believe that he's talking about, well, you just need to feed church people. And this is where a lot of us kind of come to church and say, we want to just, I want to be fed. And I just want to be in church and I want to be fed. And we're, we're spiritual bulimics. We walk in on a weekend and we're fed and we go throw it up all week and we're just waiting around to eat again the next weekend and we're not doing anything. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. What's he saying when he says, feed my sheep? He said, feed, take care of my people, my kids. Love the lonely, love the hurting, love the starving, love the people in this world that need help. Of all the things that he could have talked to the founder, the person that he was entrusting the church to, he talks about love. He says, would you feed my sheep? Listen, I, I um, again, I, I want to say this to you, that if you've been around Creekwood for very long, you know that I, I do not believe in, in that I need to manipulate you or whatever into giving. There's a reason why the offering boxes are in the back. All I'm asking you to do is to listen to what God says to you. Would you ask God and say, God, would you, would you just show me? Some of you maybe, God's going to speak into your life and say, this is crazy, but this is what you need to do. I'm not asking you... Um, just to give some little offering here. I'm asking you to do it out of love. And I know physically you can't go to a phased in and work with foster kids or you can't go work with people with addictions. You can't go to Mansfield Mission physically probably. But you can show your love by saying, I believe in these people because God believed in me and I want to make a difference. Would you bow your heads today? You know, next weekend, we're going to be receiving this offering. And I just, I want you to pray over this week. Just say, God, would you show us? Would you show me? Father, thank you that you modeled what love is. I thank you, Father, for the way that you have lived and showed us what love is by giving your only son to us to save us. Father, I pray that love would grow in our hearts. Father, I pray that our love for the lost, our love for the hurting, our love for people that everyone has given up on. Father, may it grow. Father, may the reputation of this church not be our services. It can't be our, our, our speaking or our, our the worship. God, I want it to be, God, I pray that the reputation of Creekwood is that we are the most loving people. That we love with no strings attached. Father, let this grow in our hearts. We ask this today in your name. Amen. 
Thank you for listening. For more messages and information about Creekwood Church, visit us at creekwoodchurch.com.